0: Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet, showing you how to collapse timeframes in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm here to help. My my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, And this is Unlimited Wealth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. My name is Nicholas Jensen. Hey, I trust that life is treating you well well, and and I hope life is treating you well. Today is going to be a solo episode. I'm going to be walking you through the framework that I walk uh, business owners through when I'm helping them develop financial strategies. And the framework that I've developed I call the wealth building machine. And the reason that I'm so passionate about helping business owners do this is really my bigger purpose or or my deeper purpose is I want to change the family legacy. When you look out into society today and you look at all the things that we're struggling with, I have a firm belief in wealth being the answer to living a better lifestyle. And when I define wealth, I define it not only financially, but I define it as several different aspects of our life. I define it as our health. I define it as having a a meaningful business that we're contributing to society. I define it as uh, trying to create the best relationships we can within our our family and our our friend circles. And then finances is obviously a piece of that. And what I focus on in my business is really helping people get that financial aspect put together. So the reason that that's so important to me is when you look at the family structure and you look at all the things that we're struggling with, Finances are a big piece of what we do on a day-to-day basis. And if we can solve that issue, that's just one less thing to worry about. And then that, that way we have the ability to now focus on other things that are essentially or not essentially, other things that are just more important in life, right? There are more, there are more important things than creating wealth and uh, financial wealth and, and having money. But it, it's a, such a large piece of our society that we have to fix that problem first in order to kind of move on to, or to just not worry about it anymore. And so once you can fix that problem and that now you can turn and put your focus on your passions and, you know, your family relationships and things like that, it's really going to change the family dynamic. And if you think about this long-term, it can change the legacy of those families. So I'm all about trying to help people do what they want, when they want, with who they want, be able to teach their family how to do these things and to basically make a perpetual impact on the world. So as clients come to me, there's there's this common theme that I often see as I'm dealing with these clients. And I call it the unwealthy success. And what I mean by that is a business owner will come to me and they're doing really good in their business. They're making money. They've got a lot of cash flow, but they just feel frustrated because they're not seeing their wealth grow. And it could just be because they've hired the wrong financial planner. It could be because They're just investing in things that sound good and their buddies have told them about it, but they don't really have a a defined strategy behind it. And and they don't have a long-term strategy behind what they're really wanting to do. So they're keeping all of their excess cash and savings, or they're invested in some random things. They're not really seeing their net worth grow. So they they kind of feel bogged down by their business because they feel like they got to keep this machine running, this business going and going and growing in order to keep up with their lifestyle and keep up with the things that they want to do. And then on the flip side, they're not seeing their net worth grow. So they're, they're just kind of frustrated and, and they could be paying too much in taxes and, and all of these things that Quote unquote, the unwealthy success have to deal with. And the idea is they're really wanting to move past even becoming a business owner, but they want to become a strategic investor in which they can kind of manage not only their business, but their other their outside investments that will essentially replace their business's income. So that's their ultimate goal is to move to this strategic investor. And to become a strategic investor, they have to have a wealth building strategy that actually is defined. And that, that works. Not chasing shiny objects, but one that actually works. And when they become a strategic investor, they're then aligned, or their investments are aligned with their knowledge. It's a their their investments are aligned with their values. They know exactly what types of investments they're looking for. They're not out chasing um, the next cool thing or, or the next shiny object, but they know exactly what they're looking for and why they're looking for it. They're really focused on cash flow. Their the, their investments are creating cash flow for themselves to ultimately replace the salary that they're taking from their business. And they're not just thinking about themselves, but they're thinking long-term. They're thinking for the next generation, two generations, three generations down the road, and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we lower our tax burden for the long-term in order to to help this wealth grow and to perpetuate? They've got a family bank structure set up in in which they're educating their their family members on how to finan- how to run their finances their finances in a way that they can start to borrow from this family structure in order to to go out into the world and and to do good you know whether it's start a business or start a career or whatever it is that, the, that they want to do so that's what they're trying to move to is trying to move towards this strategic investor and so in between those two, the unwealthy success and the strategic investor is this gap of, well, how do I get there? When you look at society today and the dialogue that, that the media is framing up for people, it's clear that we're in this big failed financial experiment. You know, it, We're being told to put all of our money towards Wall Street and towards the stock market and and to just save it and hopefully someday, one day we'll be able to use it. And that just simply isn't reality in the sense that it hasn't, it's proving now to not work for individuals. So as I kind of studied this, and in fact, the way that I came up with this framework is I was helping individuals uh, trade the stock market. I was helping them. I was teaching them how to trade stocks and bonds and derivatives and futures and, and all of these different strategies around the stock market. and, and, there's a ton of strategies that you can learn and you can execute on those strategies flawlessly, but there's a lot of things out of your control. I mean, just the way that the economy moves and, and the way that the, the stock market, you know, uh, fluctuates and things like that. So as I was doing this, I went through the crash of 08 watching clients do everything that they were told to do correctly. They were They were executing on this stuff as flawlessly as a human being could absolutely execute it on it. And they were losing their shorts simply because there were so many things out of their control. They There was only so much that they could do to stop the bleeding. And as I watched this go down, I was frustrated because I was trying to help them and there was very little that I could do as, as the crash was happening. I, I sat back and I'm like, this seems like a, a Ponzi scheme. This seems like that the quote unquote middle class are being herded into a specific financial structure that isn't benefiting them. so I started to go out and do some research and to study okay, well, what are the wealthy really doing? what are what are the top one percent doing? what What are the family offices out there? What are they doing? Are they also participating in this financial experiment or are they doing other things? And what I found out was they were actually doing strategies that were hidden in plain sight. Things that they had been, do- they'd been doing for hundreds of years that had actually helped them grow their wealth. They weren't participating in this financial experiment of shove all of your money in the stock market and hope that in 20, 30, 40 years you can uh, use it. But they were, they were participating in, in insurance based strategies and real estate strategies that allowed them to pull cash flow from their investments and then turn around and use that cash flow again to buy more investments and to build their wealth that way. So as I was introduced to these financial strategies I started to look at okay is this only for the wealthy or can other people participate in it and at that time a lot of the stuff was really only for the wealthy just due to financial regulations on what you could or could not invest in as a um as an un an uncredited investor but that a lot of that stuff has changed and crowdfunding is is kind of helped break down some of those barriers and and they've loosened up a little bit on, on the average individual, if you will, ability to access these other investments. So I I started to take this structure and I started to apply it to my own life and, and I made some tweaks to it. And then I broke off on my own and started my own businesses and really started to see the power behind these financial strategies at work. So I took these family office frameworks I boiled it down and I said, okay, what can or how can this be applied to individuals that are, that are doing six and seven figures in their business so that they can actually grow their wealth in a way that that wealth will grow and will last for generations to come rather than be participating in this failed financial experiment that just keeps them in this unwealthy success uh, pattern. So, the framework that I came up with, I call the wealth building machine. It's built upon three pillars. The first pillar is your lifestyle design. The second pillar is cash flow and investing. And then the third pillar is an impactful legacy. So, let's just kind of go through each one of these uh, individually. Number one, lifestyle design. As you know, we're not, we have to start, as Stephen Covey said, we have to start with the end in mind. What is it that we really want? are we in the business that we really want to be in? And if we are, is that business structured in such a way that it's going to give us the lifestyle that we actually want to live? And what I mean by that is you may have an extremely successful business, making a lot of money, but you may also be in the grind of it 24/7, meaning that you're working 10, 12, 14 hours a day to bring in that revenue to make sure that that business is cash flowing. Was well, that really the lifestyle that, that you want? Or is there a way to take that same business structure and start to pull yourself out of it and get other individuals, leverage other people's talents and resources to start to, to run your business systems in order to continue to make that revenue and, and to have that business continue to cash flow, but take less and less of your time? So lifestyle design is you've got to figure out what is it that you want to do or what is it that you really want? How much time do you want to spend with family? How much time do you want to spend on hobbies? How much time do you want to spend on other passion projects or, or, or dabbling in, in other investments? Because if your business is taking up all of your time, all these other things are going to suffer. So you've really got to figure out, okay, what is it that I actually want? And then we've got to take the business structure and we, and we have to start to move it in such a way that it gives you that lifestyle. So that's number one, lifestyle design. Number two is cash flow and investing. And this is really where the, the financial piece comes into play, right? So here's my philosophy behind investing. I spent a lot of time in the construction industry when I was in college. I poured a lot of concrete. I framed some houses. um, I did a lot of different things in the the construction industry. And what I found is the investment world today oftentimes reflects the construction industry. And what I mean by that is when you're a a home buyer, let's say you're going to go buy your first home. What are the things that you're really concerned about or what are the things that you're really interested in? You're interested in the shiny chandelier, the cool chandelier. You're interested in the trim that's going to go around your, your doors and your windows. You're interested in the paint color, the carpet, the flooring, all this cool, shiny object type stuff. What you're not interested in is the ugly rebar that's being put in your foundation. You're not interested in the boring concrete that is, is being poured in your foundation, But those are the most important things. The ugly rebar and the boring concrete are essential to that building being built. If you neglect those two things, it doesn't matter what kind of shiny chandeliers you have. It doesn't matter the cool trim you have or the cool flooring. None of that stuff matters because it won't last because your foundation sucks. And that's the way that it is in the financial world today. What I see people doing, especially these unwealthy, successful people, is they're chasing shiny objects. They're chasing all these shiny financial objects that are being touted on the news or their buddies are telling them about or you know, the, the financial industry is trying to sell them. But what they've neglected is the boring financial strategies that actually build the foundation of your wealth that will perpetuate your wealth for the long term. And so when you look at cash flow and investing, focus first on the ugly rebar and the boring concrete in order to lay that foundation. So this is how we do that. Number one, cash flow management. You have to have a system in place both in your business life and in your personal life to manage cash flow because you've heard the saying, cash is king. That's not necessarily true. Cash flow is king if I've got a pile of cash, that does me good for a, little bit, for a little while. But unless that cash is being replenished by cash flow, essentially, it's going to run out at some point and I'm going to find my, myself in a, in a trap. So, you've got to have a cash flow management system in which you're managing your business's cash flow correctly and your personal cash flow correctly. So, that's number one. Number two, from a business perspective, you need to look at your taxes and incentives. And this is part of managing cash flow. You've got to lower your tax burden as much as possible. And as a business owner, there's so many incentives out there that allow you to do this uh, legally. Obviously, we want to do this legally. We don't want to do anything shady. We want to pay the government what we owe the government. But the government has given business owners a lot of incentives to do certain things that will help them lower their tax burden. So you need to look at your taxes and your, and your incentives and make sure that you're taking advantage of everything out there. Uh, debt management. Uh, oftentimes, businesses carry debt. So, you want to make sure that you're not over leveraged from a debt perspective, and you want to make sure that you've got a strategy in place that you're managing that debt correctly and you're bringing those debt levels down and only taking on debt that actually will move the business forward. Uh, and then if, at that point, what you're going to want to look at is a cash flow banking system. So, this is essentially high-value life insurance policies that allow you to store cash inside of these policies that, again, are ugly rebar and boring concrete, but are effective as heck in order to lay the foundation of your business. So, you're going to pile as much cash in a cash flow banking and different cash flow banking policies as as possible so that you can start to utilize that cash flow or that cash inside those policies to invest in other things that are going to, that's going to grow your wealth. So that's the next thing is making sure that you have some high cash value policies in place in order to store cash value. Again, ugly bar, boring concrete, but as effective as is all get out. So, from an investing perspective, okay, so how do you, now that you've got your cash flow management in place, how do you actually go out and start investing? And what types of things should you be looking at to invest in? Well, you want to do it in a systematic order. And so, when you think about investing, think about it this way. You want to maintain as much control over your money as possible, and you want to reduce your risk as much as possible, okay? So, Everything you put in place, be asking yourself, how much control do I have over this asset and how much risk am I taking on by investing in this asset? So the first place you want to look at is hard assets. You as a business owner have to look at where can I control the outcome of an investment as much as possible? Well, the obvious choice is your business. Right, you know your business inside and out. There are things that you can do to affect the outcome of that business's performance. So when you look at investing, look at okay, where can I invest inside my business to grow it, to grow the revenue, um, and to move this business forward? So that I have control over these assets and this money, and I'm taking on as little risk as possible. The next thing you want to look at is real estate investments, and especially cash-flowing real estate investments. You can actually go out and buy investment properties in which there's things that you can do to make sure that that investment property cash flows and you've got control over that, right? you're you're not subjecting that to some Wall Street investor on the East Coast, assuming you live on the west Coast, but uh, a Wall Street investor and just hoping that they're doing the right thing. but you actually go down you you actually go and you buy, Uh, a single family home, a duplex, a fourplex, an apartment building, a commercial property, whatever the case may be in order to help your wealth grow, but make sure, but also pull cash flow from those, those investments. So hard assets, that's the first place you want to look. You've got a lot of control. You've got little risk when you're doing that. Now, the next thing you can look at is alternative assets. Now, when you start to go into this category, you're gonna you're gonna give up a little bit of control because now you're gonna start relying on on other individuals to their expertise and, and their investment performance. And you're so you're gonna be taking on a little bit more risk when you go to this category. But you can look at like oil and gas uh, investments. So if you're looking at oil and gas, like like uh, discovery or um, exploration, there's going to be some tax advantages to that. If you look at existing oil and gas investments, you're going to be able to pull just under 10% cash flow off those on a year-to-year basis and be able to recoup your money as fast as possible. But you're relying upon an operator out there that actually knows what they're doing that's able to pull the revenue out of the ground via oil in order to give you that money back. So, But, but the difference here is you're investing in a specific project. So the investment that you make is backed by assets inside that project. It's not just a a pooled investment, but you're actually backed by a a specific project. So oil and gas is one place you can look. Uh, Syndications, either business syndications or real estate syndications. And what that is, is when you've got a group of investors that will pool their money, give that money to an operator And that operator will take down a large, let's call it a real estate investment. They'll take down a large real estate investment in which you're invested in that specific project, right? And you're relying upon that operator's expertise to make that investment work. So in order to do that, you've got to make sure that you trust that operator, you trust their performance, and you trust their ability to get you a return. And then you can look at private lending. So Maybe uh, you know, it, as people know that you've got some expendable capital out there, you can look to start to lend on things. So maybe you're lending on a land deal for somebody and you know this is essentially, it could be hard money or it could be more of a long-term uh, lending scenario. But anytime you do private lending, make sure that you've got a solid, hard asset backing that, that lending. So if something goes south, you can actually recoup uh, your money and, and then some. So after alternative assets you want to look at, uh, you can then look at market-based assets. So these are your stocks, bonds, derivatives. I always tell individuals, um, if you don't know what you're doing in the stock market, meaning you don't have the strategies to trade stocks, bonds, derivatives, um, futures, and things like that, you can simply just look at, at good companies that are paying a dividend. That's strategy number one. Because again, we're looking for cash flow, right? So old companies, boring companies, paying a dividend. And you're not necessarily concerned about the appreciation of the stock, but you're concerned about, will they consistently pay me a dividend over time? That's one way to look at it. The other way that you can look at it is you can just go take a, a broad market approach and don't go into mutual funds because statistically, it, it's statistically shown that 80% of mutual funds don't even outperform the market. And those that do outperform the market this year are unlikely to outperform the market next year. What I mean by that is you're basically going to be paying a bunch of fees to get average performance. So let me tell you how you circumvent that and you just create a portfolio that's going to give you basically the same performance anyways. Go and just create a, a portfolio of ETFs that cover the broad markets. So you could look at the SPIDERs, which cover uh, the Dow Jones? You could look at the IWM that which covers the Russell Two Thousand. I'm sorry, the spiders cover the S and P Five Hundred. The IWM covers the Russell Two Thousand. You could look at the diamonds that cover the Dow Jones, and then you could look at some international ETFs. So these are the fees on these are are very very low, and you're just getting this broad market uh, coverage of of the stock market. So again, you have a lot less control over this investment, right? Because you're relying upon the market to perform. You're relying upon these companies to perform, to perform in order to give you an investment. And so your risk is a lot higher. So, so you want your portfolio to be uh, the, uh, the percentage of your portfolio to be a lot smaller than what you've got in your cash flow banking and your business and your real estate and these alternative assets and things like that. And that's different from what society or the media will tell you to do they kind of tell you to flip it right because the reason that they do that is the financial industry has done themselves a disservice in which they've incentivized financial planners and investment advisors to gather assets under management whether the market performs or not these individuals are making money as they have more assets under management so for example if if i'm a I'm a financial planner and investment advisor and i go gather 100 million dollars from random investors out there and I charge 1%, I'm making a million dollars a year whether the market goes up, down, or sideways, right? So, it's not really built upon, um, they're they're not incentivized for the market to perform well. I mean, they've got a little bit of incentive if the market performs well, that 1% fee is, you know, going to capture a higher dollar amount than if the market goes down, but nonetheless, whether the market goes up or down, like you're still being charged 1%. So, I think you can just circumvent all that. Do it yourself with technology today. You've got as much information as any advisor out there. And then the last piece of speculation, right? So these are kind of your swinging for the fences, your home run hits. Uh, very, very small percentage of your, of your portfolio is um, dedicated towards this. These are the things that you talk about with your buddies around the water cooler. Uh, And so you're looking at things like cryptocurrency, you're looking at uh, venture capital investments, you're looking at angel investing, maybe some day trading if you've got a lot of time on your hands and you want to day trade some futures and things like that. So again, you're swinging for the fences. You're going to strike out nine times out of 10. If you hit it big, you know, you're going to make a lot of money, but the, the risk is high. So that's cash flow and investing. And then the third pillar is an impactful legacy. So, again, when studying the, these family offices and these wealthy individuals, they're not looking for how, am I gonna, how are my investments gonna grow over the next 10 or 20 years. They're looking at how are these investments gonna grow over the next 100 years, the next 200 years. They're looking at the next generation, right? They're not just looking at themselves. And with that, they're looking at how are we gonna educate the next generation in order to take advantage and take care of these resources to make the world a better place. So you're really looking at this impactful legacy of I want my investors investments to be there for the long term, and now I've got to set up a scenario and a situation in which I'm educating the next generation to make sure that they're making a, a healthy impact on the world, and that this money will continue to perpetuate and grow so part of that is having the proper wills and trusts in place, right If you die as a strategic investor. What happens to all these resources? where are they held, where are they, who are they going to, and, and who's going to be in charge of them? So having the proper wills and trust in place. And one of the things that you want to look at inside of your wills and trust is how people can access the wealth that you've created. The middle class or the, the poor individual, this is how they'll distribute their wealth. When they die, that wealth will be divided among their four children or their five children or their grandchildren, or, or whatever the case may be. The wealthy look at it different differently, and they're like, "When I die, all of that money and that wealth is going to stay in one spot. Now that it's in one spot, everybody in the family will have the ability to access that money under certain conditions. So maybe those conditions are you can borrow from this pool of money, this pool of family money to start a business, and you'll there will be certain loan conditions tied to that." Or you can borrow some of this money to, to uh, purchase your first home. But again, there's certain loan conditions around that. Or you can borrow some of this money to get an education and there's certain loan conditions around that in which you've got to pay that back. And so it, it's one of those, it's, it's a one strike, you're out type of deal. If you borrow the money and you don't pay it back, you can never access that money again, right? But if you borrow that money and you pay it back, then you can borrow it again and you can continue to borrow it. And so, what happens is this pool of family money continues to grow as you've got, you know, let's say generation number two, you've got four or five individuals borrowing from this pool and paying it back, that money's growing. And then as the grandkids grow up and now maybe let's say you've got 20, 25 people borrowing from this pool of money and it's growing as it's being paid back and and paid back with interest. So, so there, you've got to think about it from a banker's mentality, right? This is a pool of money that has to grow under certain conditions. So how are we going to limit or how are we going to going to allow individuals to access this money, to utilize it, to make the world a better place, but also preserve it so that it continues to perpetuate and, and continues to grow. So once you've kind of come to this impactful legacy piece, the other thing that, that you can look at is, okay, I've got my business in place. It's structured in such a way that my lifestyle is designed the way that I want it to be designed. I've got my cash flow and my investments in place that are creating cash flow that either are currently or will soon currently replace the salary from my business. So I'm good there. That's one less thing to work out or to worry about. And now I can start to look at passion projects. What are some passion projects out there that I really want to focus on? Or what are some charities? out there that I really want to support. What can I do as an individual to really make the world a better place? So when you look at the wealth building machine and you look at those three pillars and putting those in place, once that's in place, you're now moving towards this, this becoming this strategic investor. As we kind of back up a little bit and we look at all the unwealthy success that's out there, meaning these business owners that are frustrated because they're making good money, but that wealth isn't growing and they're wanting to move to this strategic investor place. It's just a matter of implementing a strategy, a long-term wealth building strategy, like the wealth building machine inside of their lives in order to do that. So, in order for all of us to change the family legacy, in order for us to change the way that we look at finances and the way that people are being sold financial products these days, we have to get away, or we've got to quit letting Wall Street's rhetoric control us as business owners. We have to implement strategies that are actually working, strategies that have been done for you know over a hundred years that are actually building wealth and are actually improving the lives of our families and all of those individuals that are involved. Because if we don't, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to have this generation of super smart entrepreneurs. We're going to be making a lot of money, but we're going to continue to be these unwealthy successes. And then our kids are going to start that all over again, right? They're going to be super smart and they're going to go start businesses and they're going to grind it out and they're going to make a lot of money. And then they're also going to be these unwealthy successes. And then it just continues to perpetuate. But if we as a, as business owners, will rally and be like, you know what? I'm taking a stand and I'm actually going to do something different for my family. I'm going to change not only my family's legacy, but I'm going to help change the legacy of families. Then we can start to build this freedom in our lifestyles. And the next generation now has a hand up. They don't have a handout. You don't want to, The last thing you want is to create a bunch of trust fund babies running around ruining their lives, but a hand up to help perpetuate their lives forward and to help the world uh, become a better place. So if you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur and you want help with this, or you recognize that maybe you need help with this, uh, feel free to shoot me an email, Nicholas at Nicholas or you can visit my website at Nicholas And we can see if we can help you out. And before I let you go, uh, two things. One, if you found this valuable and you know, anybody that would be able to benefit from this information, please share this episode with them. Uh, we want to change family legacies. We want the the podcast to grow. And the only way to do that is with everybody's effort. And then number two, again, if you like this and, and you find the information that I'm giving you guys valuable, I would love a review on iTunes. It helps the podcast to be seen by other individuals and helps the podcast grow as well. So if you feel like you can leave me an, an awesome review, please jump over to iTunes and do that. And I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Again, until we, uh, until I talk to you guys next time, thanks so much for listening and have a great week. We'll see you. If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.nicholascjensen.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nicholas Jensen underscore. That's at Nicholas Jensen underscore. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you do not want to miss out. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.